Swamiji, how can people overcome bad habits? Bad habits are <clears throat> they're the result of having repeated a certain action so many times that it becomes a mechanical thing. It, um, the subconscious accepts it and gives it as your new self-definition. What we must do is gradually replace that bad habit by a good habit. And that again, you can do by repeating and repeating and abstaining from the bad habit as much as possible. But even if you cannot abstain, then at least try to do the right thing, do the opposite good habit, and gradually it will replace the bad habit. We are all products of self-definition. Our ego is encrusted with a million or millions of self-definitions. I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm American, I'm French, I'm German, I'm rich, I'm poor, I like art, I like engineering, I like music, I like this or that. Um, all these things become habits in the mind. They must be replaced by, above all, the thought that we're a, I'm a child of God. I must try to always feel that my self-definitions don't define me as I really am. And in that way, an interesting thing is that then you can pick up a self-definition, a new habit, and change it in a day. You can, if you, once you become uh, freed from the grip of habits, you can create a habit, a good habit, very quickly. And by that I mean, for example, learning a new language, learning a new subject of any kind. I know I went to Bali in Indonesia uh, many years ago, and uh, I went up to Mount Gunung Agung, which is, although Bali is close to the equator, Gunung Agung is 7,000 feet high, and it got cold up there. And I asked the man there for a blanket. He brought me a glass of water. It turns out that in their language, blanket sounds pretty much like uh, water. Anyway, I thought I've just got to learn this language. And I was there two weeks only, but in two weeks I could, I found I could carry on conversations and I could, um, even on abstract subjects like philosophy and so on. Not very well, but still I had an, a, a, a vocabulary of about 600 words and hmm. I could carry on. It was inter inter interestingly, by the way, I went to, I wanted to find seclusion. This is a little off the subject, but it's sort of fun. Um, I had a guide with me and uh, he, I didn't know, but he'd been in prison and all his friends were ex-prisoners. <laughs> anyway, with one of these friends who I didn't, I didn't know that was his past at the time, one of his friends said that there was a dance out in the country. And I love Balinese dancing. It's very graceful. And so we rented bicycles and went out. We'd gotten about two miles into the dark. And he called to me and he said, his voice was shaking. He said, I don't trust this. He said, they're waiting for us. They're going to hide, hide whatever, you, whatever you do, 
hijack you or something. Ambush. Anyway, we turned back. Well, the next day I went to another of his friends. And this friend had also been an ex-friend of his in jail. And he saw my gold watch that I had at that time. And uh, he said, is that gold? I said, yes. Um, is this, how much is this camera? Uh, I don't know. It was a gift to me. And he, he suddenly saw that I had a, um, I don't have it now, but I had an armlet of nine jewels. And by this time he was panting, <laughs> and he felt my my biceps. <laughs> and uh, he heard. He told his sister to follow us to the hotel we were staying in. It was a motel with frogs in the in the pond outside, croaking very loudly. He could have come in and slit my throat, and no one would have known. Anyway, my guide said, "You know, my mother in Denpasar, this is the capital of Bali." My mother isn't feeling very well. I think I'd better leave. I said, yeah, my mother's not very well either. <laughs> and so I, I said, we, uh, I couldn't find a taxi. I couldn't find anything. Finally, I had to charter a bus, but I was determined to get on <laughs> that day. But anyway, I, I uh, had learned enough Balinese to carry on. You can learn many things once you can... Free yourself from self-definition. I say, well, I'm American. I can't talk French. Mm -hmm. Why not? Mm -hmm. You were a Frenchman maybe in your last life. Mm -hmm. You've been many, many things in many lifetimes. And people who refuse to accept reincarnation as a reality, nonetheless, they can say that potentially, whatever a human being is, any human being can be. Swamiji, what about uh, not just learning a new skill, as you've described, but getting rid of addictive habits like smoking? Well, I had that problem. In fact, it's a good thing you mentioned smoking. When I was 21, I decided that I was going to give my life to God and become a hermit. Now, well, who ever heard of a hermit who smokes? And I did smoke about, about a pack a day. I think I gave most of them away, but I smoked a fair amount. And I, I tried to give it up, and I found that it was, um, as Mark Twain said, smoking's the easiest habit in the world to give up. I've done it a thousand times. <laughs> and I'd give it up, and then at lunchtime with coffee, it had tasted so good, I found myself slipping. And the interesting thing, I discovered this truth, and it's worth sharing. I found that, that uh, even though I went back, I never said I failed. I always said I haven't yet succeeded. And therefore, every time I failed and I haven't yet succeeded, it became an affirmation of potential success. After a year, I remember telling a roommate of mine I was rooming with, four young men, and uh, I said, I'm giving up smoking. He laughed, he said, oh, I've heard that one before. <laughs> but I was quite serious. I had a half-empty package of cigarettes, and I kept it in my pocket and gave them out to friends until it became empty. I never had another desire. So if you have a habit that is very hard, yes, you may go back to it, but never say, 
I failed. Never say I failed. Never say I'm a sinner. Never say I'm bad. Never say I'm hopeless. Always say that I will do it in the end. I can do it. If I haven't yet done it, I will do it. Well, Swamiji, in order to reinforce a good habit, something like uh, practicing meditation, for example, how do you start that? Just through repetition? Repetition, meditation, and other good habits are the same thing. Same principle applies. If you've been a drunkard and you can't help going back to drinking, at least I know there was one man who took initiation into Kriya Yoga, which is a very highly advanced technique for meditation. And uh, it's in fact why I have the name Kriyananda. Anyway, he was an alcoholic. And friends of his said, well, how do you think of becoming a, a taking up Kriya Yoga? You can't even give it up drinking. He said, well, I can't help drinking, but at least I can do the right thing. He would sit in meditation with a glass of whiskey in one hand and his Kriya beads in the other. And he's, he, every now and then, took a little sip and went back to doing his Kriya. After a certain time, he said, I don't need this anymore. Mm. I'm feeling much more joy in myself. Mm. He left it, never went back to it. So that's one cure for it. Another cure for bad habits is, um, well, I can give you another example from alcoholism. There was a man who had given up alcohol and then suddenly one day he found himself going to the cupboard to get another drink. And he hadn't been drinking. He got so furious with himself that he took all his bottles, threw them on the street outside with such violence that that very violence drove the desire out of his mind and he never had another desire for alcohol. So, um, sometimes violent self-correction is the right way to go. I just won't do it and say it with all your vigor, all your willpower, and you can overcome it in a moment that way. My guru, Yogananda, used to say that habits can be overcome in a day. Mm. It's just a matter of concentration of the mind. And if you concentrate in a new way, the old habits will have to go that way. Swami, is there a point beyond which we rise above habit altogether, good habit, bad habit, all? Yes, because you're not, you have to overcome ego. Habits are of the ego. We must understand, ultimately, and this is what makes the highest teachings highest. The, we can speak of them in this age which we couldn't do so easily in the past, because now we know that matter itself is only a vibration of energy. Science has proved it. And so we have to understand that energy too is only thoughts. The whole universe is a dream of God's. And our job as a part of his dream is to merge back into him. This is called in India, Sanatan Dharma, or the eternal religion. This is what Jesus Christ taught also. And the highest religion will always tell you how you can unite your soul with God, not merely be subservient to him, humble to him, 
have good habits and his inf in confrontation with him, etc. No, you have to understand that he is you. You can't say you are he, in the sense that the wave can't say that it's the ocean, but the ocean has become all its waves. Your only reality, finally, is the fact that you have come from him and you must merge back into him. That's why my guru said to me something very striking. He said, when you were one with God, you are God. That doesn't mean your ego is God or your little body is God, but your whole consciousness is God. He used to say, I killed Yogananda long ago. No one lives in this temple now, but God, but him. We must realize that uh, the ocean has become all the waves. No wave can claim to be the ocean, but every wave can claim that it is a part of the ocean.